Welcome into another episode of the Half Court Press. I'm John Niatawa, joined by Chris Hetty and a special guest today, Tony Boone, who covers the Mavs, the hot Mavs. The best basketball team in the state. Well, at least the hottest basketball team in the state as of right now. The hottest. It, it, certainly in the context of the Summit League versus the Big East and the Big Ten, right. UNO is the best team. Um, so we wanted to, I mean, this, the point of this podcast is to talk about college basketball as it relates to the teams locally that are in the news. And shoot, Omaha's <laughs> had certainly, at, at the very least, Tony, you can bring more positivity to this podcast <laughs> and just a more uplifti- uplifting vibe because we've spent the last month or two talking about the plight of the Huskers and the Jays. And uh, it, it's just been It's, been <laughs> it's just been yeah. worse and worse, yeah. Well, UNO has definitely played its way into the spotlight here uh, with its uh, Summit League season so far. And, you know, since the calendar turned to 2019, they've only lost the one game. And uh, that was at South Dakota State on the back end of a, a road swing where they played at Fort Wayne in overtime two nights before. And, uh, you know, you're playing the best team in the league in their house. So I guess it's kind of an explainable loss, but they were really good right before that. They've been really good ever since. And, uh, you know, certainly have played their way into some attention here locally recently. Do you consider it a surprise? Not at all. Really? Not at all. I think if anything, uh, the surprise was last year, the way that went. And there were a lot of factors, and we can get into a little bit of that uh, this year. But the fact of the matter is that this cast of characters was already on campus. Other than Brett Barney, who was, in addition this year, um, from Wichita State, he was a walk-on down there and saw a chance to, A, grab a scholarship, and and B, actually get on the playing court. Uh, He came here to UNO. But he's really the only guy that's among the rotation that they're using right now that wasn't in the program last year. Now, there are a couple of guys that didn't play last year who were sitting out as, uh, you know, uh, transfers or uh, redshirting. And uh, those guys are in the mix now, too. But everyone else was around when things were not so good last year when they only won nine games. Uh, But the the talent was there. And I think uh, with a clean slate, uh, this team really, you know, rallied around a couple of seniors who are now two-year captains. And, you know, they've taken the the bulls by the horn once they got into conference play and have made the most of their opportunities. Was there a moment early in the season when you realized, all right, these – these guys are really good. Like th- these guys could really make a run at the Summit League. And was there a game or or kind of a moment where you thought this is for real? Like this is not going to be a nine win season. Well, I know because I don't. I don't think that I ever expected it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for me, the moment was when I had to turn in my preseason conference ballot and and what could I legitimately get away with? Uh, because the Summit League in, in the off season ha- had moved. It had moved from the Chicago area up to Sioux Falls. And so there are a bunch of new people working in the conference office who are going to see my ballot for the first time who don't really know me mm-hmm. and know that if the team that I cover is the worst team in the league, I will put them at nine. And if they're the best team in the league, I will put them at one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I was like thinking when I turned in my ballot, what can I legitimately get away with here to not seem like a homer? Yeah. Because this team is, <laughs> this team is right. going to be an upper half team. Uh, in the Summit League, and I think of when I did it, I might have put up right in the middle just to see, just so I didn't yeah. look like I was that guy. But I legit thought that this was a team that could finish in the top three if they had a really good season. Now they've taken it a step further because they've won a couple of close games that maybe in the past uh, UNO hasn't gotten, and now we're suddenly sitting with three games left in the conference schedule, and you know they're in the control of their own destiny here. Yeah, it's 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 almost like, and this isn't. I mean, it's it's the situation. It's not a knock on UNO here, but I I almost feel, and pro- per, perhaps it's my own fault too, and and others who enjoy basketball in the city maybe feel the same. But like, almost feel like I missed the train. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I, I I wish that I could have 
sort of rewound in time and really got on board at the start of the season, we have the sensational moment where um, where Mitch Hahn hits the buzzer beater, and then a week later it's senior night, and mm-hmm. now it's like now the the Mavs are on the road for three days or three games, and um, sure they're going to be playing in the summer league tournament, and that's really the season. It's it always is, but I feel like I missed out on the ride. I feel like it's an like, idiot. Yeah, <laughs> well, I feel like a total idiot. I just, I yeah, we we. Uh, the roller coaster left without me, and everyone came back, and they're like, "Dude, that was awesome!" And I was like, "Ah." Well, well if it makes you feel any better, John, I don't think you were alone. And on top of that, um, I, I think the, the general public found out the first time that a UNO basketball story hit the paywall. When you started getting <laughs> yeah, those yeah. stories, right, like right. I can't read this because there's a paywall on yeah. it. That's great. Um, which, which just happened in the last right. couple of weeks. But it's weeks, like but, you yeah. know, UNO. Um, Got to schedule tough in the non-conference. It's about making money for the athletic department. Get those checks in. So I understand that, but the record is never indicative of what type of team it really is. Once it starts league play, maybe what was it six and seven going into league play this year? So, but but it's hard to kind of get excited about that or to have a really good gauge on it, and then the maps start four and one in league play, and you're like, "Hmm, maybe, yeah. And then all of a sudden, now it's. Well, I, think, I think if you're a general fan or if you you know haven't followed the program from season to season to kind of know who's coming back and where those guys fit in the mix um, within the conference, I think it's easy to, to not really get the full grasp because, yes, early in the season, you're only going to see them a few times. They're not playing at home a ton. And if right. we go back to last year, they didn't play at home hardly at all in the, in the conference season. And, and I'll get into that in a minute when we talk about what happened last year. Um, but, so what kind of happened is they go and they play those five big boy games, as you mentioned. Uh, those are ones that UNO you know, takes on the chin because they, they're making money for the athletic department to, for the budgets for everyone. It doesn't just go back to basketball. Mm-hmm. It's to support everyone. And uh, they had those five uh, big-time games. Um, they played well in some of those. Uh, they were really competitive in the Colorado game and maybe should have won that one. Um, but other than that, you know, th- those kind of went the way that you thought. They had one a non-conference game here at home where – um, Darren Hansen even said it last night, man, we really laid an egg in that game against Northern Arizona. And if you were at that game, then maybe it gave you a false sense of what this team was capable of. You mm-hmm. saw them in early in the, in the season. You're like, well, this is Northern Arizona, and, and you know, I'm not sure that UNO is, is that good. Um, but you're right. Once they got into conference play, and, and even after um, they lost that home game to Oral Roberts, which I know at this point is one that they'd like to have back, um, you know, they really rallied around what they needed to improve upon. Uh, worked on that going forward, and rebounding was a big key at, at that stretch and in that game, and uh, then have kind of taken off from there. And what we've seen here lately is uh, guys that are really, really good, living in the moment and stepping up in crunch time when you know big plays need to be made. And uh, you know, even the guys uh, who aren't hitting the shots that Mitch Hans hit here recently are making winning plays. And I said that about point guard KJ Robinson last night. You know, he had a big second half when UNO took off and distanced itself from uh, Western Illinois in a game that was really sloppy in the first half. Um, but I said that, you know, tonight it was scoring for KJ, but the other day it was him from laying on, you know, his backside making the foul to keep, uh, you know, Fort Wayne from getting off a three that might have tied the game at the end. You mm-hmm. know, that's just a winning hustle play. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, those guys that are in that starting lineup are doing that. And the other thing is, too, right now, there's a couple of injuries that are that are lingering for UNO and the, the bench isn't as deep as what it once was. And the starters are playing a ton of minutes right now. But. Uh, they're experienced. They're playing with a lot of confidence, and that's put them in a really good position right now. So, where are they at in the Summit League? They got three games left. What do they got to do? What needs to happen for them to either win it 
what's the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? Like, where are they at for the rest of the regular season? Okay, well, right now, uh, going into tonight's game, which is uh, South Dakota State and Fort Wayne, and we're you know, recording this on a Thursday in, in case someone's listening to it after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, UNO's in a first-place tie. Um, because there's nine teams in the Summit League, there's an unbalanced schedule, so somebody's already play, always played one more game than what you have or vice versa. In this case, South Dakota State doesn't hit its bye week until next week in the last week of the regular season. So UNO, even though it won last week over South Dakota State and has been even in the loss column, has actually not caught up in the win column until last night, mm-hmm. and that's only because you know South Dakota State played a, a day later. So um, both teams have three games left. Uh, they're clear of the third-place team by a couple of games right now, so uh, it, it's a pretty good chance that these two are going to finish in the top two. Uh, what order remains to be seen. South Dakota State has three home games left. Hmm. Uh, they're not necessarily easy ones. Fort Wayne's already beat them once on the road. Uh, South Dakota is a big rivalry game. I think you can throw uh, talent and everything else out the window mm-hmm. when those two teams get together. And then they play Western Illinois, which you think is probably an easy win at home uh, on their senior night. And I know for a guy like Mike Dom, uh, I'm sure he's going to want to put on a big performance sure. then. And, uh, you know, it, it might even work out that he's even going to get to his 3,000th point that night, too. So that could be a big one there. I think it's a lot to ask <laughs> for any help from the Lumberjacks or uh, or the Leathernecks, rather, if, or uh, UNO. Uh, in that thing. And UNO has to go on the road for three in a row. Right. Um, they go to North Dakota State, which almost never loses at home. And the two they have lost at home here in the Summit League are because John Conchar, one of the best players in the league uh, from Fort Wayne, hit a three at the buzzer to beat him. And the other day, David Jenkins threw in a half-court shot from South Dakota State to beat him, too. So I'm going to guess that this weekend UNO is going to find a, a Bison squad that's you know pretty fired up about losing two home games at the buzzer. Uh, then after that, they go to Oral Roberts, which is a tough matchup. And Oral Roberts, of course, has handed UNO one of its two losses. Uh, and then they wrap up the season uh you know after that with, with one more road game out at denver who has struggled this year but um really had there's no explanation for what's going on at that place because uh with joe rosga who's an all-league player and, and ronnie Harold uh, joining the mix this year that that group should be a lot better i thought that was a you know a first-tier team and they've really struggled here once uh, conference play got going but uh it won't be easy right now uh uno does have the tiebreaker right now because it goes to uh, if you split with the other team, it goes to how you did against the next team, which right now is Fort Wayne, and mm-hmm. UNO does have uh, a season sweep of the Mastodons, whereas uh, St. Cloud's or South Dakota State, I'm getting my hockey thing on there too. <laughs> uh, Saint, South Dakota State has already lost to Fort Wayne once, so mm-hmm. even if they would win this uh, one tonight, then uh, they would have split, so UNO would get a tiebreaker there. And that's a big deal in a, in a league like the Summit League because right. the regular season champion not only gets the top seed for the tournament, they also have the automatic berth into the NIT tournament if they don't win the thing. So, really? Um, yeah, I don't so, think I knew that. Yeah, huh. it, for, all, for all mid-major leagues, if you're the uh, regular season champion and you don't win the tournament, there is an automatic berth in the NIT waiting for hmm. you. Now, uh, we were going through some of the scenarios last night, and I didn't know about this. If there's a tie and you're not winning the tiebreaker to get the higher seed, then you don't necessarily get that if you're not coming in. So if hmm. somehow, you know, UNO and, and South Dakota State tie and the team that doesn't get the, first, the top seed for the tournament, if that team is the second-place team in the tournament and the other one wins it, you're not necessarily guaranteed that automatic spot because in, in the mind of the NCAA committee, you're not necessessarily the league champion. Right. Yeah, the, so, NIT, yeah, so, the NIT. That would be yeah. a kind of a cool um, – I mean, obviously, NCAA tournament's the ultimate goal, yeah. but to get to the NIT, and that's probably the only way that UNO gets to We're, the NIT is to get the, the auto berth by winning the league and not – win in the tournament right and i think and actually that's one of the things that we were kind of talking about last night because i think if it goes the other way and south dakota state ties and it doesn't win and uno wins the the league tournament 
I think South Dakota State may get the benefit of the doubt because it's been in the NCAA tournament for the last three years, and everyone knows Mike Dom, and he's an All-American. I think that, you know, they might get that bid. Uh, even if they don't get it automatically, they get in. So, if in the scenario where South Dakota or where UNO makes the NCAA, but South Dakota State, they they tied, but South Dakota State, so they they technically don't get the auto birth to the NIT. They have a better case to the NIT committee I, than I think so because UNO. there's a familiarity okay. both with the fact huh. that they've been a three-time you know NCAA tournament qualifier here the last three years. That. Yeah, I can see that. And and Dom with the star power, I think yeah. I think that they would give them the benefit of doubt. Plus, they're going to have. They have a lot of wins. They're already over 20 wins this year, too. So, right. you know, no one's going to say that, well, that team doesn't belong in, you know, that field of 32, I don't think, uh, when it comes there. I just think they have a better spot than UNO, which has never played in an NCAA or NIT if it came down to that right. scenario. Yeah, it's always, it's like, since UNO got to D1, it's always just been about benchmarks. And and I would imagine in Coach Hansen's mind, that program that they're just, they're just trying to sort of stair-step their right. way, keep getting going higher and higher but last year sort of like i don't know what did they make of that like did, did did it did it feel like a step back or did they it was it just sort of like a temporary blip the 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 trajectory is still good but it but that was just oh hey we can move past that or was it where alarm bells ringing well i think that there was a case for, for either um, if they don't come back the way they have now, then I think it is an alarm bell going off. Yeah. I think now you can look at it on a, as a blip because you know you're competing for a championship here at the end, and uh, now I think it's probably just a good time to go back and rehash what happened. So flashback to two years ago, UNO is playing in the Summit League Championship game uh, against South Dakota State. You know, winners getting in, mm-hmm. the loser is not only not getting in, may not get another berth anywhere because South Dakota State that year really underachieved. I want to say they were a six seed coming into the tournament. Um, but they still had Dom. Uh, they had the best player in the league. They uh, were, were playing well at that stretch. And they had a home crowd up in South Dakota behind them in Sioux Falls. So there were a lot of things playing into their favor that weekend. And that thing went down to the wire. UNO had a last-second shot, and uh, Tradion Hollins took it from three on, in transition. It went off the back of the rim. Didn't really look like it was ever going to go. Mm-hmm. But th- there was a shot there to get him in the NCAA tournament. UNO could have went to another tournament that year. There wasn't going to be an NIT bid. Um, they chose at that point to not go because there are, you know, things you have to think about with regards to, you know, what does it cost for us to be a part of this thing? And I think with, you know, getting that close to the NCAA tournament was where the guys on that team really wanting to go on and, and continue to play. And I think the decision was, no, we're just not going to do that at this stage of the game. Uh, would they do it after this season at the kind of run they had? I think they may, you know, rethink that, especially after last season. But what happens after that year, you know, you know you're graduating a couple of, of really good players in Tradeon Hollins and Marcus Tyus, who was a, a really good shooting guard, and he, he really complimented what Tradeon uh, did really well. What they didn't know was coming was the fact that um, their starting center that year, who was young and in the program, Zach Parag, uh, ended up leaving the program and transferring out to uh, California Baptist, which was a newer Division One school. And I don't think at the time they thought that was going to be that big of a hit. You know, like, okay, this kid starts for us every game, but he really starts until we go small and Mitch Hahn comes into mm-hmm. the game, and suddenly we run with a with a front court of Mitch Hahn and Treshawn uh, Thurman, and we play a little bit smaller, faster, and, and we go. So uh, Zach makes the choice to leave. UNO uh, is like, um, okay, but what they don't see coming was the, you know, the left hook that came behind you know, the right jab, which was Treshawn Thurmond in deciding that he was going to transfer as well. And so what looked like it was going to be a team that lost a couple of guards and brought back 
you know, uh, Zach Jackson, two front court starters, and Mitch Hahn, which looks like a really good team going into next year. Suddenly now you lost the two guards. Right. You lost your starting front court. Zach Jackson is your only returning starter, and Mitch Hahn's playing starter-like minutes, but you have to rebuild around them. So that's what yeah. UNO is facing going into last season. Now as the season comes about, uh, the Baxter Arena is being uh, ser- uh, reserved to hold the curling trials. So UNO can't play any home games for the first month of the season. And I think they played 10 of their first 11 on the road, including their first seven. In game three of that, um, they're playing in, in the pit against uh, New Mexico. During that game, Mitch Hahn gets hit, separates his shoulder, and they don't know how long he's going to be out. So now suddenly, Zach Jackson is your only guy with any real playing experience, and you're playing all these road games. Yeah. And not only were they did they have five road games last year like they do against the Power Fives. The New Mexico one was the sixth tough road game. Mm. And on top of that, you're not playing at home. And I think what, what hurt during that stretch, along with Mitch's injury, is UNO had three winnable games against like opponents. Um, we're talking teams like Montana State, and there were a couple of like back end of a deal that you got into where you play two tougher teams at their place. Then you play two neutral site games against you know teams like you. Mm-hmm. All three of those games went down to the wire, and UNO went 0-3. Got beat on a last-second shot. Another one, they didn't get a shot off on the final possession. And suddenly, they were sitting at 0-7. So now, suddenly, you have a team that's hurt. Doesn't have the, you don't have the roster that you thought you were going to have. And on top of that, you don't have any confidence because you're not playing at home, and you're just traveling, 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 and you're losing every single night, and there's mm-hmm. just nothing left. And mm-hmm. uh, that team was just beat down by the time that conference play got started. Mitch returned to the lineup but never was back to normal again. It wasn't until he had uh, surgery in the offseason, and it even kind of harmed him you know, somewhat coming into this season a little bit because he was never really fresh. Um, so there were just a lot of things that went poorly. And at the end of last season, they came down to they were barely in the, the tournament. Um, there was only eight teams in the summit last year, so everybody got in. And UNO needed to win one of its last two games at home just to avoid having to play one of the top two seeds in the tournament. And they literally just got embarrassed on their home floor by Oral Roberts in North Dakota State. It was just a season that needed to end. Yeah. And I think there were a lot of questions at the end of it. The team only won nine games. Only seven of them came against Division One opponents because they had a couple of makeup games they had to throw in there, you know, against D3 schools that just come in for the paycheck. And, you know, you get an easy home win and you move about your day because you needed a home date. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of things, I think. Uh, swirling around, like, like John was saying, you know, it's just a huge step back for the program that was, you know, one shot away from the NCAAs. The players never thought that. Uh, they knew what they had. Uh, they came back, and in a Mitch case, Mitch's case, came back a little bit healthier. You know, Mitch and Zach were the captains last year. They were the captains again this year. And uh, like I said, the guys kind of rallied around those senior leaders. Everybody that got to play last year, you know, was a little bit more experienced coming into this season. And the fact that they, you know, had those tough games right out of the gate, they showed that they can play with some people. They played with Minnesota for a first half mm-hmm. until Minnesota went on a run late, uh, late in the, the last stages there. And then the game kind of separated from a little bit. But they were competitive in the second half of that game. Uh, Should have won at Colorado probably, um, you know, played Arizona State tough for a little bit. And, uh, you know, I I thought they were okay at Iowa State, but Iowa State was just a different animal. And, uh, you know, when Hilton gets going, uh, that's a tough ask for anybody, especially a mid-major team. But the fact of the matter is I think this team, with all of its pieces, was a lot more confident this time around going into conference play. And then, you know, they've got a couple of things to go for them. And obviously lately, you know, the seniors have really stepped up in big games and made some big plays late. Mm -hmm. That's that's that, a long story there, no, but, but that kind of brings you up to speed. That that brings you up to on, speed, on and also going on. that's like this is why I love college basketball. They, I mean, you are literally one shot away from NCAA tournament, and then everything goes incredibly wrong the next year, and everyone thinks that you're not going to be any good and whatever, and then you go on this run, and now 
your stories are behind paywalls again because people want to read about you and O, you right. know? Like, that's the cool part about this. And I think the reason why, you know, the you know South Dakota State game, I watched it on my phone. Mm-hmm. Like, my wife was watching something on TV, and I was scrolling through Twitter, and there was, a, um, there was like, a live feed. And I was like, I'm going to watch this game. Like, I, I, and, like, I, I wasn't alone. There were, like, 4,000 people watching it, too. And so I think that it's, that it's interesting that right now, Nebraska basketball program is currently a dumpster fire. Creighton is just still Creighton and just like slogging along and like barely winning games when, when they're ahead in the final two minutes, four minutes, I guess. And then you've got this cool story of UNO like just rocking it. And I think that it's going to be really cool to see if basketball fans in Nebraska, because the Huskers and the Blue Jays are struggling, jump on this train, you know? Like I, I think that both Nebraska and Creighton fans are <laughs> looking for something to be happy about. And I think they could probably find that in the Summit League tournament, don't you think? Like, I, I, I think this could be fun. I, I do, and I think it's unfortunate with the way the schedule worked out that UNO now has to play exactly. its last three right. conference games on yeah. the road because I think that, you know, there are a lot of people that would have snuck down to Baxter here if they played again at home. We saw that over the last week. The crowd last week uh, against uh, South Dakota State was great. Uh, the follow-up crowd against Fort Wayne on Saturday was really, really good. And, uh, you know, for a Wednesday night game last night against a team that's in the lower level of the league, I didn't think the one last night w- was bad. And, yeah. you know, it was at least loud uh, when it, when UNO got it rolling there in the second half. And that's the thing about this team, too. Um, UNO's different than a lot of mid-major teams. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that have a big star or in South Dakota State's t- case, uh, you know, they have a couple plus a, a really third uh, third complementary scorer who can really shoot it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Most teams at this level aren't that deep, and UNO is different in the sense that it has five starters and can get points from any of those five positions on any given night. I mean, they're probably the only mid-major team in the country that has five starters that are scoring in double figures on average. And, uh, you know, one night it might be Zach Jackson going off like it was, uh, you know, last uh, Saturday in the second half where he scored 24. The night before, you know, it was Han hitting the big shot down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Last night, K.J. Robinson, you know, scored, you know, 14 of his 17 in the second half by hitting five shots uh, early in the second half, and, you know, UNO kind of pulled away. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a guy in Matt Pyle down low who is going to be a force in the Summit League. Once this senior class with all the bigs graduates, there's not going to be a seven-foot Brandon Gilback from Western Illinois to guard Matt Pyle right. next year. There's yeah. not going to be a Mike Dom uh, down there low. Pyle has really uh, become a force in this league as only a sophomore, and UNO, as it's gained confidence in him, has started to, you know, run their more of their offense through him. Uh, you know, that kid's going to be really good in this league. And, uh, you know, I think that that's why, you know, back to your question, John, I think there's a chance that this continues to go for UNO, uh, even, you know, with the graduation of Jackson and Han, who have been super important to this program and, and been great leaders. Uh, you know, you're going to bring back three starters and some other guys that, that have a lot of playing experience um, on next year's squad. And with, uh, you know, the senior class in the Summit League this year is just really loaded. And I think the conference does become up for grabs next year. And UNO is going to be returning as much as anybody else in the league. Mm-hmm. All right, so you mentioned this a bit ago about the championship, the summer league championship game in, in 2017. Um, and I always hate this question when people ask it, but I'm still going to ask it because it's intriguing <laughs> to me. That team in 2017 or 2019, which one had a better chance to? Or it's easier to say that now because that team lost on a buzzer beater, right. or lost because it didn't hit a buzzer beater. Um. Which one would you uh, – did you feel good about that team's chance to make it to the tournament, and how does that compare to how you feel about this team's chance to make it through 
Well, I, I, I think that just knowing the history now, um, I think I'd have to say that I like this team's chance just because um, it hasn't had those fall apart moments that that team had. Uh, this team already has 11 conference wins with three to play. I believe that team had 10 at the end of it. Hmm. Um, so this team's already outachieved that team. And while I thought there were good summer league teams then, I think the league has more star players now than what it had, you know, a, a couple of years ago. So um, do I think head-to-head that those two teams, how do they match up? I, I mean, I think it's a little bit different. I think this team's a, a lot more balanced uh, than that team was. Um, I think that that team uh, maybe had some more high-end guys than, than what this team does a little bit. So um, I think it would be an intriguing matchup. But, you know, I, I really like the trajectory of what this team has done, and they seem to just now have – a little bit of an it factor about that, and I'd like to think that like a lot of that clutchness that they've shown lately was born out of the adversity of the last season plus, you know, the start of this one. And you know, I, I don't think you can discount the the holdover effect that you know both Jackson and Han, who are seniors this year, were a big part of that team two years ago and experienced that and really know what the end goal is for this team. You know, they were in that championship game; they were a big part of that. They know what the the thing looks like at the end of the at the end of the run. And uh, they want more than anything to be a big part of that. And I think everybody else has just kind of grabbed a hold of it. Like I remember asking uh, KJ Robinson last night, I said, you know, I know that we've you know paid a lot of attention to, to Zach and Mitch here lately, but, you know, we're, we're not not noticing the fact that you guys are you know, making winning plays and things like that, too. Yeah. And he's like, those guys are great. And he's like, I'm fine with them getting all the. All the all the attention and everything like that. He's like, I'm just back here chilling, trying to win games. Right. <laughs> and uh, I, I think there's a lot of that that's gone on with this team too. Uh, Darren Hansen's talked about it over and over and over again that this team really is selfless. And with you have guys who are humble like uh, Jackson and Han leading the way, um, they really just don't care where those points coming from. And, and as Darren has said time and time again, we know we have enough points in the room. We just don't know where we're going to get them on the sure. certain line. Yeah. Let's go out and d up against somebody a couple of times and make sure we can get the separation that we need. And that moment in 27, like, it was funny. I think uh, our colleague Dirk Chatlin tweeted that the Mitch Hahn shot was maybe the best moment since UNO went D1. I think that the loss, even though it's a loss, it stings and it hurts. But I feel like that game was, for me, that's still the pinnacle of the moments in in UNO basketball history since going D1 in 2017 when – for a while there, they were going toe to toe with Dom, and Dom had something what? Well, yeah, like thirty-seven in that yeah. game or something ridiculous. But it was, they were there, and it, it was the title game, so it's on ESPN. I think I was watching it yep. in like one my hotel room somewhere, <laughs> and I'm like, they could get this done. I mean, the whole time you're thinking, can they? I don't know, but yes, they yeah. could. And so, um, to have an opportunity to be in that spotlight again, I think would be really cool for the program. Obviously, that's the goal, but uh. I, I do think, like Chris said, I, I think a lot of people would, like, obviously the more you do it, the better it is for, you know, the building of the brand locally, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, and, and just an exposure standpoint. But um, I think you'd see a lot of people um, tuning in and being excited if you and O were able to to kind of finish it off the way that it wants to, which yeah. is not going to be easy. I, I think the difference between this year's tournament and, and this team as compared to what happened that year, um, there were a lot of upsets in that tournament. I think UNO was a three seed, and if I remember right, South Dakota State might have been the sixth. I think they were the four. Yeah, or four. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so they, uh, yeah, they wouldn't have been three and six because right. they played in the first round. But, uh, yeah, so that tournament didn't go the way everyone thought it was going to be, and you kind of got this matchup at the end of it that you weren't really expecting. Right. Although I think a lot of people thought at the start of the season South Dakota State would be there because, you know, they were the favorite. They right. just didn't live up to it during the regular season. UNO was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, 
to be in there on the other side of it. Um, if that happens the way it's trending this year, um, then you're talking about those t- same two teams, South Dakota State and UNO, but they're going in as the top seeds. And the difference yeah. between that and, and the other um, scenario that we were talking about is that uh, the way the summit works, because they have the, the women's tournament in the same location and they spread it out over the same thing, it's a four-day window. If you're the one and two seeds, you play on Saturday night, you have Sunday off, and then play semifinals Monday, final on Tuesday. And that's not what UNO did the other the other time. They went late Sunday night, late Monday night, late Tuesday night. Um, so being a top two seed, I think you there's know, an advantage. Yeah, to that. there is an advantage of that because there is that off right. day to let the other quarterfinals play out. You know, have a day of prep, have a day to rest your legs, and and uh, then not be gassed at the end of it, which could be a big thing for UNO, which is you know relying on a lot of minutes from its starters right now. And UNO could technically still be the four. Is that right? The four they, seed? Yeah. Could they fall to a four? Um, it would be close. Uh, North Dakota State, I think, uh, I think has five losses going into it. So yeah, they're, you, yeah, they're f- eight and five. But, yes. So it depends on what happens. Yeah, so if uh, UNO could take care of that on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. They, they win in Fargo, then they're guaranteed a top three. I, I would think uh, like the ideal scenario is be on the opposite side of South Dakota State. Maybe yeah. somebody else can yes. be for you. <laughs> right, well, and that's the, that's the whole thing. I think that was the key to it. You wanted to finish in the top three. Uh, assuming that South Dakota State was probably going to win it because they got off to the best start. And, yes, you wanted to be in the matchup where you didn't have to see those guys you know, until the final. Until the and, and maybe maybe, maybe something else happened. It's tournament time. It maybe is. anything can happen. It, it, yeah. it, that's true. Um, and I think that also uh, what could play into that, too, is the outcome of the Fort Wayne game also. Uh, Fort Wayne now has four losses, correct? Yep. Yeah, and yeah. if they would happen to lose to South Dakota State, then they would be at five, and yeah, UNO yeah. would own the tiebreaker because they swept the season series. Gotcha. So, gotcha. you know, they're pretty cl- close to locking up, you know, a top two seed, which would guarantee you exactly what you were talking about, you know, being on the opposite side of the bracket there, too. And if they get in the top two, like I said, that, that day off on Sunday uh, can't be overlooked. The thing about the Summit, though, which isn't like, you know, a lot of your, your high major leagues, there's a lot of parity in the league. And mm-hmm. even though. You know, South Dakota State and UNO have found ways to win games down the stretch more than the other teams. You know, things crazy things can happen in the quarterfinal round in there because there seems to be one head-scratcher every single year up there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. South Dakota State just beat uh, North Dakota State in the buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And so, um, and then, yeah, like you're, basically what you're saying is the, the gap between a Denver team, even though they're at the bottom, and the top two or three is really not that... Right large yeah we'll even look back at the the, the conference opener when denver was here you know pulled away at the very end of that game and yeah. those two teams have gone in completely different different directions since you know is now 11 and 2 and i think denver only has two league yeah, wins two in the weekend so yeah, it doesn't make sense all right tony Thanks for for jumping in. We really yeah, appreciate it. You want to stick great. around and listen to us uh, uh, banter a I little bit about? Absolutely want to because <laughs> um, because much like you guys, where you're saying that you're 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 late to uh, you know the UNO party, which like like I said is, is very understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the same way, and and a lot of it has to do with um, uh, because I also cover hockey, right? Um, yeah. And, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. For, for those of you who don't know, prior <laughs> to yeah, now prior to when I took over the UNO beat, there was only one year where the hockey guy and the basketball guy. We're the same people at the World Herald. Uh, Rob White had it for one year, and I asked him when, uh, you know, he and his wife moved away to Colorado if he was going to miss this at all, and he said no. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of looked at him kind of funny. I'm like, you yeah. know, how, how could you not, like, love this? You know, you cover minor league baseball. You know, you're doing, like, you know, these Division One sports. Uh, unlike uh, what you guys do, you know, you're often the only guy there. So, right. you know, you're involved in everything. 
and uh, which is which is kind of a cool deal in, in its own right. And he said he absolutely wouldn't miss it at all. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it is a juggling act, but but yeah. because of that, uh, I feel like I know very little about the intricacies of what's going on with your beats, even though I do know right. you know which direction the season's trended in from a one loss perspective. Can probably say. You know, yeah, I, they got that game, or yeah, they didn't. But you know, in person, I think I've seen one Creighton game this year, and I've watched a couple of others for both. You know, on TV, but uh, yeah, it, I could completely understand why you wouldn't have, have been able to follow UNO because it's worked exactly the same yeah. way the other way. Yeah, and it's. What do you want to start with, Creighton or or Nebraska? Let's start with Nebraska. Okay, things are bad. Things are really, really bad. <laughs> how did? I mean, actually, I don't even. I don't think we need to ask how did. Penn State happened. It's funny. The last time we recorded was before Northwestern and before <laughs> Minnesota, it, I believe. Was it really? Yeah. Um, so we kind of missed the. There was a blip. The the small upward. Yeah, there was a blip on the radar. Tick, and then it, it dropped off. Where did they go from here? I guess is the question. It's a great question. Uh, f- they have to. They finished the season with four ranked teams. They play Purdue on Saturday, and Purdue is fighting for a Big Ten title and a high seed in the NCAA tournament, so they're going to come in like a freight train. Um, then you have to go play the two best teams in the conference with uh, on the road for Michigan and then Michigan State. Um, Michigan is not as strong as they were earlier in the year, but they're still Michigan, and John Beeline... I don't know. He might be on his way to a Big Ten Coach of the Year. I think he's done a lot with that Ooh, group. that's a good question. I... I mean, I'm a Purdue alum, so I'm a Matt little bit Painter, biased. Matt Painters, they, it's incredible. Like you look at the team, and yeah. you're, you're thinking, I'm thinking, there's no way they should be competing for a Big Ten title right no, now. No, yeah, no. I think I think Matt Painters, it, Painter or Beeline, because I think Beeline's doing doing some good stuff. Uh, but Matt Painter might have a, have a case. Um, but then you got to go to Michigan State, and again, Michigan and Michigan State are both competing for a Big Ten title, so they're not going to take the, that Nebraska game lightly. And then you have senior night against Iowa, and Iowa is kind of on this miraculous <laughs> stretch where they're just making buzzer beaters, and yeah. they're Iowa, so they're a weird matchup for Nebraska anyway. So Nebraska is going to be an underdog in all four. Um, I think if you ask me right now, they're probably going to lose all four of them by double digits, um, because I think I think it's going to be a really long three weeks, because there's not a lot to play for anymore and that's a really like depressing thing to say but this year was never about the NIT it was never about just making the postseason it was never about being in it it was about making a statement and it was about saying this is Nebraska this is you know where the program is headed you know we're not just that school that you can beat up on anymore we're going to finish in the top of the conference and we're going to go on to make the tournament and win and this is going to be the year and that is not going to happen anymore. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Nebraska has to win four games against ranked teams to make it to the NCAA tournament, and I don't see that happening. And then you got to go to the Big Ten tournament in Chicago and make a run. And like right now, you know, Penn State just showed that Nebraska's Nebraska's flaws are very deep. I mean, they've got some serious issues, and I I think that and it, and the other thing too that was evident about Penn State was that it goes beyond, and we've kind of talked about this all year, but you know, it, it, the issues go beyond the X's and O's and that. Yeah, abso- is, absolutely. I mean, completely. I mean, they've never really solved it. I mean, we've kind of hinted yeah. at that and talked a little bit about it as the seasons progress, but yeah. they just haven't fixed that mental piece, whatever, yeah, whatever is missing. At all. And, and to the point where, you know, you should be ready to play a game at Penn State. 
You should. And like the, the we we I wrote about it and we talked about it of like Penn State's a weird place to play because nobody's there yeah. and Penn State plays a really like odd, gross and disgusting and not aesthetically pleasing type of basketball so you makes you not want to play as it's hard because it's it, weird from a fan perspective of the game it's the hardest to watch a penn state absolutely game at, at penn state yeah. because the, like you said the fans aren't there yeah. the style's different yeah the mic the audio it's on horrible the, on the broadcast yeah. it's really bad you, a lot of times you'll get just like the the in arena microphones like in front of one random student who's yeah. just yelling yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, just a horrible a good vibe. but at the same time like you know and yeah, Michigan went in there and lost, and Purdue was taken to overtime there. Probably should have lost. Probably should have lost, yeah. Um, but at the same time, like if you are a program that is consistently stable, or even just a stable program, then you should be able to compete at least in that game. And there was 30 seconds Nebraska competed. First 30 seconds of the second half. Glenn Watson hit a three. James Palmer got a steal, went to the free throw line, and made two buckets. And then... Penn State went on this huge run. Chris, and this has got to go like bad. This got to go a lot beyond the coaching staff having the guys prepared. This comes down to players wanting to play at this point. Yeah, no, it? it's a good point. I mean, because not only, I mean, again, it's not like the coaches aren't doing anything. Exactly, they're trying to push all the buttons, and just you could tell in the first couple minutes, it was like they don't want. And this is, I've said this from the beginning. This is a Nebraska team that when they decide they want to play well, they're going to play really well. Creighton, Clemson, Seton Hall. They decided those nights. This is a big game. We need to bring it. And the Penn State game, Rutgers, Illinois, they lost on they lost this year on the road to Rutgers, Illinois, and Penn State. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't that shouldn't happen. And part not, of that, yeah, Tony, you're completely state. right. Is like them basically saying, you know, eh, not tonight. We'll see. We'll see if it happens tonight. We'll is see, there someone you know? that you would say, um, just for you know the average fan who you know doesn't follow Nebraska basketball team? Yeah. Are there guys on this team that emerge as leaders? And I know just kind of comparing it to what we're talking about with UNO, where they had these two senior captains who mm-hmm. have you know been two year captains at this point, and you know everybody's bought into kind of the message they're selling. Are those are those guys there? And and where are those guys if there are? Uh, to, to step up and you know kind of rally the troops when they need to be here. He's on the bench and he tore his ACL. There you go. Yeah, I mean. I think that's that's perfect summation. He, he of was it. it was it was yeah. that was the season where Isaac Culpin called a players only meeting after the Rutgers loss and was like, guys, we need to get it together. This isn't this isn't okay. We're not tough. We're low conference. All this stuff. Agreed with Tim Miles when Tim Miles was like, you guys are soft, and they're like, yeah, we are. Mm. We're going to change that. Goes down against Ohio State, and it's just not been that. And like Glenn Watson is a do it by example type of leader, and like that. That's not worked for this team. James Palmer is very passive. You know, he, and, and to, to James's credit, he'll yell at people. Um, he'll say a lot of things, but he's never going to like grab somebody's shirt and be like, get in the right spot, get over there and close out, you know? And that's been a problem because then I think Tim and Michael Lewis and Jim Molinari and Armand Gates have to cut, get them out of the game and sit them down on the bench and talk to them. And like, that's just, you can't be doing that for in a whole game like you, the guys at a certain point need to make it click and it just it just really hasn't so not only x's and o's was it not there but mentally at Penn State it just mm. wasn't there so where do they go from there I have no I have absolutely no clue none whatsoever well they get to play so they get to play five more games at least maybe they can uh find a way to turn around it Creighton on the uh on on a guess I guess a more positive <laughs> I don't know they just lost four in a row um, all games where the Jays had a lead with four minutes left. Um, Which is just, did you ever look at like what the percentage was of 
like the highest percentage of probability of them winning in all of those games? Well, here I I I wish I had it on me. Um, I know the lowest. So they lost at Villanova, at Seton Hall, at Xavier, Seton Hall at home, and all those games led late. The Villanova one was the had the lowest. Probability. Win probability for the opponent. Okay. If that makes sense. So yeah. Villanova's. Uh, and this isn't the final four minutes? No, just overall. Oh, okay. It, okay. Or what's the best way to phrase it? So Creighton's, here, maybe it's better. Creighton's win probability peaked at 70% against Villanova. Okay. And that was the lowest of any of, any of, of the, the other four. peaks. Really? So it peaked at like, I don't know, 90%. Against Seton at Seton Hall, wow. Xavier might have been ninety five or something. I don't know. It's you know it's pretty high. Wow. I'd have to go back and look. And then and then Seton Hall at home, all of those were we're talking like eighty five ninety percent win yeah. probability at some point down the stretch yeah. in those games. So, I mean, just the idea of having a lead late in a game and losing. You can understand it, but to do that four times in a row, it's almost—it's almost improbable. Yeah, like, it's exactly. almost impossible. It does define, or like, it—it it doesn't make sense. It defies <laughs> right. the the statistical logic of the game. Yeah. Um, but the Jays <laughs> did it, and so then they were in that a similar situation against DePaul, up seven with four minutes left, and and the thing was, is like Creighton was ahead by thirteen, two minutes before that, so. Second half starts, DePaul makes a run, Creighton answers back. They play a little bit, DePaul makes another run, Creighton answers back, pushes it to 13, six minutes left. You're thinking, well, maybe they can avoid sort of the, the pressure of the moment by just right. winning comfortably. Yeah. But no, DePaul scores six <laughs> in a row and, and puts it, uh, drops the lead down to seven and, and media timeout, they, they have that time to talk about it. And then DePaul comes to the, the free throw line and misses two, which I think was a, um, I think... Had DePaul, I think it was Eli Kane at the line, had he hit two and, and trimmed the lead to five, obviously the pressure would have mounted a little bit on Creighton, and it would have been interesting to see how the Jays would have responded. But up seven, the next two possessions that Creighton put together were probably its two best crunch time possessions of the year. Really? And it was literally just milk the clock, give it to Tyshawn Alexander. And he did it twice in a row, made plays at the rim at the end of the yeah. shot clock. It's perfect. Like if, you, if you're a coach and you could design a play or a scenario, at the end of a game, you want to milk the clock and you want to score. Mm-hmm. And they did them both. Mm-hmm. Um, they took the whole 30 seconds in both, both of those possessions, and Tyshawn got high percentage looks at the rim. And so they were able to close it out. So are they 14 and 13 now? Yeah, 14 and 13 overall. Okay. And then uh, tied, still tied for last in the Big East. Really? But only two games out of third. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's crazy that that league is like that. Yeah. yeah. You, it was funny. Yeah. You were talking about, Tony, the Summit League kind of being uh, – you know, pretty compact where yeah. the, there's not a big gap between one and, and ten. The Big East, I feel like one and two are uh, at a level by themselves, but three through ten, yeah. Aren't I like, mean, it's I, as close as it's ever, like, as you really ever see in a major conference. Everyone's either seven and six or six and seven, right? Did I, did I see that right? Creighton, Xavier, and, no, Creighton, DePaul, and Providence are five and nine. Okay. And then you have a couple uh, six and seven teams. In there, I think maybe somebody's no, a couple of six and eight, and then Georgetown might be six and seven, two, seven, and seven. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's just a big old, it's a car right, wreck. It's right. just a and log jam. They all played on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and if you would have drawn it up, like bef- if we would have sat down and recorded a podcast and made predictions 
and we would have sat there for 20 minutes. I don't think we ever would have settled on <laughs> the results that happened on mm-hmm. Wednesday, especially in the manner that they did. So It was funny to hear you describe those uh, Creighton losses the way you did and, um, and just uh, kind of comparing it to some of the games that UNO has played lately. It seems to me just in, in college basketball in general, and we can even use the, the Duke win here a, a week or so ago as the extreme example of that, teams for whatever reason, and it could be like either giving up leads or, or coming back from big holes, seem to be capable of much more explosive runs anymore in shorter windows of time, like between media timeouts. There's a lot of things that can happen in four minutes that completely change not, not only the momentum of the game, but maybe the eventual outcome of the game anymore. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Great, or I think Rutgers went on a 15-0 run. So Nebraska was up two. Uh, or sorry, Nebraska was up 13. And then Rutgers went on a 15-0 run in like three minutes. Completely changed the game. Yeah. Like completely. Well, and like the momentum and the pressure and, and your confidence all play into it too. And I think a lot of times one of the when you look back at one of those runs that you as a team give up to your opponent, a lot of times you can look at your own you can see your mistakes, they're pretty glaring right. in that. Like that fed into it. You Yeah, I mean teams are gonna make runs all the time, but you gotta make sure that you're not affected by them kind of raising their intensity right. level and right. their their confidence and their swaggers up a little bit. Um, you have to be solid. And so I feel like that at times that has been Creighton's problem down the stretch is they've reacted poorly to the other team making a big time play. And um, I mean, a lot of times like they've, they've gone up against some veteran scorers. I mean, like Mitch Hahn and Zach Jackson, those guys have played a lot of ball and they know how to carry themselves in the moment when you either you make this shot or you're down Instead of being down two, you might be down five. You know, this right. is an important moment, a minute left or two minutes left. Win or lose right here. They know how to handle that, I think, better than um, – and, and veteran players know how to handle that better. And, and Creighton's gone up against some teams that have had some veteran players step up while they have um, learned the hard way. So what does Creighton have left? Got Georgetown at Marquette and Providence and DePaul at home. So three of the four at home, I think – I think it's important for Creighton. The, the theme of the season has been, there's been a lot, but one of them <laughs> that sticks out to me is the Jays are learning lessons, mm-hmm. but they're learning them very slowly. Yeah. You know, and they're taking hits as they learn. They had to figure out how to play defense yeah. um, and how to compete and, and how to hustle and how to bring that high level of urgency and don't have drop-offs. Um, they've had to, now they're, they're trying to figure out new ways to score because the three ball isn't as, they haven't been a consistent shooting team, and uh, they've dealt with uh, different lineups and, and guys going in and out of the lineup, so they've had to adjust their offensive flow, um, and they've had to learn how to close out games. And so like all these things have played into it, and, and it's part of youth, part the coach is not getting them prepared quick enough for it and not making the adjustments fast enough, but here they are at the end of the year um, with an opportunity to finish strong and, and build some momentum, not only into the postseason, but... Um, into next season, I think a path to the at, to an at large bid is is pretty much out the window. I mean, I, they'd mm-hmm. have to they'd have to essentially win out to yeah. to uh, put themselves back. Even though their net ranking is still like fifty four, but their their um, record against the quad one and quad two is just it's. Yeah. I think they're six and check today. I think it was six and thirteen against the top two quadrants. That's not going to get you in. Right now, if they were to win like their final four games, which again, like Creighton hasn't won five in a row all year, so right. that would be a lot to ask for yeah. this team. But if it were to win, then maybe we could start having the conversation. But the Big East tournament seems like 
pretty wide open. Wide open. Yeah. I mean, Creighton uh, handled Xavier just a couple weeks ago here at Omaha in Omaha, and, and then Xavier goes and handles Seton Hall, and Georgetown beats Villanova. Um, I I think if you are if you're in a good place, I think that's the key for Creighton down the stretches. Find your find your footing again, and make sure that you've uh, taken sort of that next step. You've learned your lessons, and then maybe when you get to New York, you can make a run. When when you mentioned that the theme of the Creighton season was like learning lessons the hard way, my brain because this is how it works uh, just quickly compared the three local basketball teams seasons to best picture nominees. <laughs> um, Creighton this year is the favorite. Because it's not quite what you think it's going to be, right? I mean, yeah. it's like good, not great. Yeah, and you're kind of disappointed at the end. Uh, Spoiler alert. Well, that's just okay, me. Just on. I didn't <laughs> enjoy the ending. You uh, know, as a star is born, but probably with a better ending or a happier ending. I'm spoiling everything here. <laughs> uh, and Nebraska's basketball season is Roma because it just continuously gets more depressing. Oh, that's good. I'm not going to dispute any of that. <laughs> So it just came to my brain that that's just, that's just what, what they are. So who wins best picture? Star is born. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Nebraska, technically Roma might, but that has nothing to do with Nebraska. You can't. That's hard to compare Nebraska to. Uh, all right. We've talked long enough. Tony, just so you know, we always end this podcast yeah. with a prediction of uh, whether or not Creighton or Nebraska would win. They played today. Can we change uh, it and do if Creighton would play UNO and if Nebraska play UNO? We can. I mean, we don't have to. I'm just saying I probably would still pick the the schools with the bigger, better athletes, even though they're not in the uh, mental frame necessarily to compete. But I, I will say this, that a, a couple of conversations that have come up over the last couple of days as we've kind of looked into, like, what are the possibilities for UNO postseason-wise if it doesn't win the Summit League tournament? You know, there are some, like, questions thrown around to somebody at the NCAA committee that's setting up that NIT bracket you know, have it in their mind that if if UNO is part of that field, do they send them down the street or do they send them down the interstate uh, for a first-round game for travel it, purposes? If, if UNO were to tie for the Summit title and not win the tournament and get that auto bid to the, to the NIT, and Creighton or Nebraska is in the NIT, which is pretty a feasible like that that Maybe, scenario yeah. is not outlandish there, right there is no, a, as long as yeah. those two teams you know get to the win total right. that they need they got to get over 500 yeah. And, yeah. which honestly is still that that might be it might be more likely for you and it That's probably is more, next week. yeah it's yeah. probably <laughs> more likely for you and o to finish in a tie for the summit league and not win the tournament and get that auto bid to the nit than for creighton and or nebraska to finish over 500 i don't know like That's both teams fair. are that's, That's probably fair. I mean, the I don't know if Nebraska would accept an NIT invitation. You don't think so? Well, it's not the worst tournament out no, there. No, but if they if they decide it. they want to fire Tim Miles, yeah, they maybe they maybe don't want to do that. Or if they keep Tim Miles, then. That's a whole nother. There, I mean, there would apple. be extreme value for Creighton to be in the NIT. I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is I think the, yeah. the I think it's always the case when you Creighton, have a, young, yeah. a younger team that you can use. They would be any kind of yeah. experience right. like they that. So There's value in that a lot. I could see what's Creighton like a two seed and yeah. UNO is a seven. Yeah. Man, that'd be incredible. Ooh. I mean, I think Creighton probably wins by five, but it's a fun game. That's what I'm going to go with. This has only happened once since I've covered UNO, and I think it's only happened once since uh, you know the, the UNO's been in Division One, where they've played one of the other two schools. And that was at Nebraska, and Nebraska kind of threw them a bone and said that they were going to play them. And Nebraska 
eventually ended up winning that game. Um, I think it, this would have been the year after um, Nebraska's NCAA appearance. 14-15? Yeah, so uh, that crew is still there, you mm-hmm. know, the crew that led them to the tournament, and obviously that season didn't go the way Nebraska expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but UNO went there. Um, it went there without it, its big who was injured. Um, it went there um, when C.J. Carter, who was a local kid here and, and overly hyped for that game, Spent the morning in the, in the hospital dehydrated, getting fluids so oh he could gosh. play that night. And Nebraska eventually, you know, went to Shields and UNO didn't have a, a stop for him. And I think they eventually won the game by 13. But until the first media timeout, UNO came out on fire and that team ran, ran, ran. They scored a bunch in, tr- in transition and it was a double digit lead. And other than a little pocket of fans chanting UNO at the first media timeout, uh, that new arena was dead silent uh, in Lincoln. And I think that that just the way those first few minutes went, probably we're going to keep either of those matchups happening in the regular season anytime soon because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there was enough of like little brother oh, syndrome yikes. there. Yeah, we don't want this. Yeah. They to, played to, in to, Creighton and, and UNO played in that charity exhibition. Yes. Which, yes. which was cool. Super cool. It was right. cool to see. Uh, but they should play every year. Why don't they? Because of what Tony just said, Get the over idea yourselves, Creighton, schedule like, schedule the big dogs like you and Here's the thing: you and I would do it, and um, I, I don't want to go on record with this because I don't know that it's absolutely the truth. But from what I was told a while ago, we're talking a handful of years ago, that you and O would do it not for the money that Creighton's paying for someone to come in. I think the big thing for the UNO fan base, which isn't nearly as large as either of the other two schools that are you know within the top 10 in attendance uh, right. in the NCAA, but I think the big thing for UNO is the fact that Creighton has paid other Summit League teams to come in and play. They've played against they South Dakota. They just played Western Illinois they played Western this, Illinois. this year. Yes. So did Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think that's been the big thing there. Like, why why would you pay a team in our league when we can just go right. down the road and do this? Yeah, because they true. don't want to lose. Yeah, and and I it's don't... a different sort of. I mean, why doesn't Kansas want to play Wichita State? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, that, you don't want to play the, your little brother type that little brother type school or the, right. the, the the school that will think of itself and well, the players will think of themselves. And the one, and the one time, Rightful, they... rightfully so too, because they the, didn't get recruited by that well, school in the same city. The one time KU and Wichita State played, Wichita State won. Yeah. Yeah, but it t- and it took a tournament format to make that happen. Right. It, right. Yeah, they had yeah. to play here. Yeah. I am now. Matter of only... fact, I remember that so, when Creighton and Nebraska got each other in the NIT here not so long ago. I say yeah. not so long ago, but it was quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so maybe the NIT committee can throw us a bone and we can see uh, that would be... UNO Creighton or UNO Nebraska. Yeah. Well, I think all those teams hope that they're playing in a different tournament at that point. I, yes, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. They all hope that. All right, Tony. It's been fun. We may have yeah, to bring you back man. on right before the. The Summit League tournament, yeah. or maybe right after, or something to sum up the season, or to preview what's next, or something like that. We'll we'll, uh, we'll keep your number on file. Uh, that sounds good. <laughs> we may have to change the name I of the podcast. Too. Han- yeah. I hate to quote Darren Hansen here, but he loves to whenever he makes a radio appearance. Thanks for having the Mavs on. And that's kind of that's kind of how I feel. Thanks for having the Mavs coverage yeah. on. The Mavs may take over this podcast. Yeah, it'll be the Mav Court Press. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>